Hello, climate designers. Thank you for being part of this community of designers taking on climate action. We are graphic designers, industrial designers, fashion designers, software designers, illustrators, interaction designers, architects, or any other kind of designer pushing for climate action in their work. You can learn more and join us at climatedesigners.org. This is brought to you by Sarah Harrison and Mark O'Brien of The Determined. Hey, climate designers, Sarah here, and today I'm joined by Jamie Alexander and Ayan Bodhi from the Project Drawdown Organization. And we'll learn more about what you do there at Drawdown Labs as we get into this conversation. We're also going to spend time in this episode discussing with Jamie and Ayana how designers and anyone can integrate their passion for climate action into their job roles wherever they currently work, pushing the companies they work for towards a higher standard of corporate climate action. And today's episode is actually a sneak peek into an upcoming workshop we're hosting on October 20th for our supporting members with Jamie and Ayana. Find all of the info for that at climatedesigners.org slash GPS. Jamie, Ayana, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with me today. Thanks for having us. Yeah. So one of the first things I want to get into, just to define some terms, could I have one of you explain for anyone listening who might be pretty new to the climate space or just hasn't heard the word, can you tell us what is meant by the word drawdown? Yeah, thanks for having us. And I can take that one. So drawdown is, it's, it is a confusing term. So I'm glad that you're asking us at the outset to define it. Drawdown is actually a moment in time. It's a moment in the future that we haven't seen yet. It hasn't happened yet, but it's a moment when greenhouse gases in the atmosphere peak and start to steadily decline over time. And that's really the point that we are aiming for as humanity, as an organization, but also as all of humanity. We, I think the distinction that I always make is it, this: it's not about when we achieve net zero. Net zero is how at what point we stop putting more emissions into the atmosphere, but we take a broader view of it's not just about what's going into the atmosphere. It's also about all of the other things at play, like the trees and the oceans that are actually absorbing carbon. What are all the things going up into the atmosphere and then being sucked out of the atmosphere by nature and other things? And so what is that balance in the atmosphere? And so drawdown is the moment in time when the net amount of emissions in the atmosphere starts to reduce. And that's basically the, the point in time at which we start to reverse global warming and start to come back into balance with the Earth's natural living systems. Beautiful. Thank you for doing that. And now for anyone listening who is familiar with the concept of drawdown, as we all are now, and probably might have heard of Project Drawdown, but maybe hearing about Drawdown Labs for the first time. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization you work for and how the labs fit into the whole scheme of things? Sure. So I'll start and then Ayana, yeah, you can add on and we can tackle this one collaboratively. But so Project Drawdown is the organization that like our mission is to help the world achieve drawdown quickly, safely, and equitably. So we've researched what are all the factors at play in that sort of the chemistry of our atmosphere? Like what are all of the climate solutions that we have both to reduce emissions, the things that we can do 
that we can basically replace some of the carbon intensive things we're doing with climate solutions so that we're not putting all those things up into the atmosphere that are warming the planet. And we can support and enhance those like natural ecosystems that are absorbing carbon. So our broader organization exists to research and communicate to the world what those big solutions are. That's been our mission since day one. But over time, I think we had a lot of success in the early days in our New York Times bestselling book drawdown that really was the first effort at bringing all of that under one big tent and saying, we have all of these solutions at our fingertips. And if we invest in all of these, if we bring all of these into the world in our personal lives, in our households, in our communities, at our places of work, in our cities and states, we can actually achieve drawdown by mid-century. And that aligns with the Paris Agreement. So that was like phase one of drawdown. I, what Ayana and I work on now is drawdown labs, which are which is our effort to say, yes, it's important to identify those solutions, but how do we bring them into the world? What are those like, how do we tap the biggest actors in society to be able to, who have the influence and scale and resources to bring climate solutions into the world? And so that's, those are the audiences that we work with. Anna, what do you want to add to that? Yeah. And I guess one thing I would add to that is that we work mostly with the private sector, namely big businesses and smaller businesses, but really thinking about how the private sector can influence climate. And we see a really big leverage point that companies have or the people who actually make up these companies who are employees and who are people listening to this podcast right now. And so that's a big part of Jordan Landis' work is really helping employees step into their power. How can they make a difference where they work? How can they work with leadership to get companies to go further on climate and really think a bit more expansively about corporate sustainability? And one of one of our many taglines is going beyond net zero. Jamie mentioned there's a difference between net zero and drawdown. And how can we align businesses with drawdown, this much more like expansive vision of what climate action can be and really needs to be? Very cool. Thank you both for that. So now that we've got the primer, I want to get into more of your personal backgrounds and what it is that you do at Drawdown Labs, your title, and kind of introduce who each of you are to our listeners. The main question or prompt is, can you describe for me what you do at Project Drawdown Labs and what's a typical day in the life like for you? But I would also love for you to just introduce yourself and give the basic elevator pitch for when people are like, so what do you do? We can start maybe with Jamie, I guess, since you're the director of the Drawdown Labs. Sure. Thanks. A day in the life. I don't know how to answer this question. I feel like we we operate on so many different fronts, it feels like. We're a bit of the experimentation hub of Project Drawdown. So we, and as a small organization, we have a lot of agility to shift course, respond to things in the climate space as they happen, which is really, it's a Ayana, you may feel <laughs> like it's a blessing and a curse. It's so great to be able to shift and respond because things are happening so quickly in the climate space right now, thank goodness. But also it's like, it can be hard to have a strategic plan and stick to it and all the things that like probably are responsible things to do in, a, in an organization. But yeah, I think we do a combination of, or I do a combination of public education, getting the message out there publicly about, about this need for, as Ayana said, a more expansive definition of, of private sector action, as well as deep work with some of our business partners. And then 
organizing or helping to support employees who are organizing inside their companies and figuring out what new resources can we provide to strengthen the movements that are really starting to take shape within companies to, to move their companies faster. What do you think, Ayana? Yeah, I can jump in. So I'm a senior associate at Drawdown Labs, which, yeah, again, it's like this nebulous term, like, what does that really even mean? As Jamie insinuated, I like questions like this because it just makes me lax. I'm like, what do I not do? But I would say, I guess the gist of my, or like the main focus of my work, so I mentioned a big part of Drawdown Labs is engaging. And that's where the bulk of my work lies, really thinking about like how to get employees activated on climate and primarily those who are already like on a sustainability team or like a social impact team. How can we reach employees who are concerned about climate? What, like Jamie mentioned, what information resources do they need to feel inspired and motivated to take climate action in the workplace, which might be scary for some folks. There's some um, low impact action, like starting a green group, which is very like, but that doesn't seem very scary, but there might be some bigger pushes that you might have to work within your company with your colleagues to push your company further. So that's a little bit getting more into this organizing space that Jamie mentioned. So we're kind of here to help support that and provide resources to facilitate that specifically as it relates to climate. So I feel like I do a lot of like researching and information gathering and talking to employees, which is probably like the best part of my job. It's just like incredibly inspiring to talk to folks, you know, are on their climate journey and are desperate to do help and like in any way that they can and they're doing that in their workplace so that's the best part of my job by far and then yeah and then doing a little bit of work to tell those stories and general just like partnership management and just talking to a lot of different folks and I would say Anna's being extremely modest because <laughs> before Ayana started this like tagline of every job is a climate job or we need to make every job it was literally a tagline and Ayana's work has been like to make that real and to actually put some meat behind it for lack of a better term it's coming to mind like you've really totally put the the actual like content behind what before you started was like just a phrase that was thrown around and now we actually have resources to say, no, this is actually true. There are actually things that different job functions, including designers, including creatives of all different types can do to help to help accelerate climate action inside design firms or inside corporations or wherever they are. And design and designers were like key to the actual structure of Drawdown Labs. Like when we first designed, when I, when I first started at Drawdown, like when I was first hired two and a half years ago, I was like, the very first call I made was to IDEO, which was a design firm that I had worked with years ago. And I was like, I have no idea how to structure a program that needs to be agile, that needs to be like innovative, that needs to be exciting and sexy and bring more people in and have this big message. And so that was the first call I made. I was like, if I have any budget, like I'm like, I want a design firm to come in and help us figure out how we like what we are, but what the structure of our mission is and our program is. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Just to, I don't know, go down a level because I really like the idea of making things real. Let's like pick an example. Let's say that I'm a designer at Microsoft or something. And like, how does somebody like, that get into your sphere of we're talking to employees like how does that happen do I just call it up Ion and be like hey I'm interested in climate action and I work at Microsoft what can I do like how does that work honestly I feel like all of us at the labs team have probably gotten emails from just being like 
please help. What can I do? Like I said, you have these resources. We have all these climate solutions. Like, how can I like make a difference where I work? Help me essentially. And that's why we're here. So yeah, in a way, people do just like cold call it cold call us, which I think is awesome. I think also a lot of companies, especially big ones like Microsoft or any big tech company already have like pretty well established green groups, which I feel like is where most employees probably start to get involved in climate and sustainability. And some folks are like more involved than others, but generally it's like maybe a smaller group of like super involved folks and really passionate folks who are doing the extracurricular work of doing the climate research, reaching out to climate organizations and just trying to make connections with experts in climate, because usually these folks are on sustainability teams or like, yeah, they might be a designer at Microsoft or whatever they might do. Yeah, I don't know, Jamie, if there's anything else you want to add to that. Yeah, no, I think that's really well said. I think there's, it feels like a very alive space right now where it's real there. I don't know that there's a whole lot of structure around it. So we're just trying to help where we can and connect people where we can. But it feels like it's like a very exciting space where employees are really taking action, organizing, connecting across companies. And and we are here for all of that. Nice. Absolutely. Connecting across companies. And I think also connecting within your own company, especially if you work for a larger company. You mentioned green groups and sustainability groups. And what I've often found is those groups work on their own. And then there might be product designers creating products that might have no idea that they could be using more sustainable materials or more sustainable supply chains or something that would really make a big impact. And so I'm wondering if you've seen that a lot and if it's like one of the first steps is to just get those two groups within the company talking to each other more or something like that. Yeah, I think in general, one of our goals is probably to get like sustainability teams and basically every other team talking more to each other. I think one thing that we really are, feel strongly about is that like sustainability and climate work is absolutely not the purview of only sustainability teams because they have so much to do. Like they basically have to transform their entire businesses. And so everybody needs to be on board with that. And someone would say every job needs to be a climate job. We really do mean that someone who works on human resources or is a designer or is a salesperson, whatever role they have, if they can connect with a sustainability team and it's a two-way street of here's what needs to be done. This is like what I work on. How can we bring climate sustainability into that? And then also just like facilitating more conversation with employees and leadership, I think is also a, a big part of what we do is holding those two relationships closely and like seeing how can we be a facilitator in a way of getting folks in leadership positions and employees talking to each other about here's what like actually needs to be done on the ground to meet certain climate targets. Yeah, and I, I totally agree. And I think the climate change is, this, to me, it really is a design challenge. Like we, as Ayana said, we need trans, like transformational change inside companies. We need to re, and we need to redesign what a company exists to do. We need to redesign corporate structures, organizational structures. We need to redesign our cities. We need to redesign like our where money goes. We need to redesign our sense of how capital is deployed and what is financed and what isn't. We need to redesign our our economic model, capitalism. Like everything around climate change is a design like could be seen as a design problem where that kind of think that, that kind of not just tinkering around the edges and saying, oh, we'll reduce our emissions gradually over time, but let's redesign this whole system because all of it is messed up. And all to me, that's that really is a design challenge. And to take that apart 
And that'll put it back together in a way that actually makes sense for the future of humanity is something that I feel like I would trust designers more than many other job functions to come up with something intentionally that is built to last on this planet. That's what designers do, hopefully, if they're good at their job. So Ayana, in your bio on Project Drawdown Lab's website, you talk about being someone who studied ecology and forestry who tinkers with graphic design. I think many of our listeners might be people who studied graphic design and might tinker with ecology as an interest or curiosity related to climate action. What would you say to someone like that about whether they need to go back to school to study ecology if they want to make a climate impact through their work? Yeah, I feel like I hear this question a lot of, do I need to go back to school and learn about climate science? And I would say absolutely not, unless that's like something you really want to do. But you really don't need a degree in climate or sustainability to have a real impact. There, Especially nowadays, there are so many other options in terms of getting a climate education, like through things like online certificates or fellowships, or there's so many programs out there that are paid and free that a lot of people can access. One program that we work with quite a bit at Drawn Labs is Terra Do, which is a really awesome organization. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of them. They're awesome. There's lots of like just free videos and resources. Just plug like our Climate Solutions 101 resource from Project Drawdown. I just feel like climate and sustainability are like such part of the discourse nowadays that There are so many people out there like doing the work and so many experts that like someone, you don't necessarily need to become the expert yourself. You can ask other experts and then take that information and integrate it into your own area of expertise. And I think you mentioned like my bio, like just as an example, my background is in climate, but I enjoy graphic design and design as an interest and a hobby. And because I have an amazing supervisor, and I've been able to like bring that interest into my own role. So I'm like the opposite. I brought my design interest into my climate job. Yeah, you definitely don't need to go to school for that. So if you don't want to, I would say save your penny. I totally agree. I almost feel like I would like emphatically say don't go back to school <laughs> because I see to me, one of the reasons I'm so passionate about this topic is because I spent so long trying to get a job in the niche of like climate and sustainability. And I tell this story all the time. Ayana's going to roll her eyes, but like there, I remember applying for one job of a sustainability manager or something at a company. And when I got the rejection letter, it was like, you said something like 1500 people applied for this one job. And I was just like, why, you know, why, why? Like, why do we have to compete for this finite number of jobs working on this issue when everyone, like literally everyone is needed and everyone is relevant and every skill set is needed? And so it's just that I think that, yeah, that's what's driven me to feel like this is totally bananas that we're in this like such a, a very confined space of defining who works on climate change and who doesn't. And I think it's our job, like everyone's job to figure out how we can each bring the things we're passionate about to it, which sat, which is easier said than done. But the work Ayana's doing is to like actually make that real in these job function action guides that we just published. And one thing I would just quickly add to that, Jamie, I love that story and I'm never rolling my eyes at it. But I think you bring up a really good point because I think maybe in general, I think the climate movement, whatever the climate movement is, sometimes has to do a better job of 
not being so jargony and just like being a little bit more accessible to folks, which I think it's come a long way, even in its past like few years. Like I think personal anecdote, like I have so many friends who made it five years ago. I never heard the words climate change come out of their mouths. And now I hear it all the time. And I think this is something people like truly want to be a part of. And so if someone's already working in climate or kind of already in this space, definitely ask yourself, how can I help bring more people in? Because as Jamie mentioned, like we truly need every single person. And hopefully one day we don't have sustainability teams just because the whole business is one giant sustainability team. Yes, exactly. Love that. Yeah, your mission or tagline, every job is a climate job. I think you all came up with that maybe around the same time independently as we came up with ours, which is every designer is a climate designer. (laughs) And so we're very much aligned in there. And I think it's just really powerful to keep spreading the word on that. Just to zero in on that, you've already talked about this a little bit, but yeah, I've got this common misconception that I hear a lot from designers in our community they want to make more climate impact through their work and they believe that they need to switch jobs and go work for a company focused on climate action in some way just exactly what you were mentioning jamie and like there's very few of them and a lot of people very concerned about climate so i can absolutely see how they're competitive so can you give us some more kind of examples or talk about talk more about the everyday regular company if you're comfortable talking about certain examples that you work with or how a person like this might currently be impactful at that kind of a company what kind of climate impact specifically could they make i mean i think of a a high level and then ayana you can really speak to the details of the the design or marketing or or creative function and pulling from our action guys but i think I guess, again, coming back to what we talked about earlier, like this really is a design challenge. Like we really do need to, I think designers are well-placed to see the bigger picture and use their skills to think about, okay, we need to design cities that are, and I'm not talking necessarily about inside of a company, but if you have a design background, how do you use that for climate positive action in the world? We need to redesign our cities so that they're more walkable, more bikeable, more where how where housing is and how all of it is connected. That's a design challenge. We need to think about organizational design. How can companies, the structure, the leadership structure of companies be redesigned so that you're incentivizing different things? You're incentivizing long-term health of the planet instead of short-term quarterly returns. Like how are we redesigning our economic model to one that values health and fulfillment and equity and all the things we care about? Those are all design challenges. So applying, thinking about your specific aspect, your specific design expertise and whatever you're passionate about, go out and apply that. that and that's just like in in broad brush terms. But then the design function inside of a company, I think, is also super interesting. And in addition to like building power, organizing, looking at what your company is doing and pushing them to go faster, there are also specific things that you can do inside of your company that Ayana has been leading on. Yeah, I can think a little bit to maybe some more like specific ideas that a designer and a company might be able to take. And so we don't have an action guide specifically for designers. So we do have one that's just focused on client facing roles. So I think a lot of these would apply to a designer, either working within a company or within like an agency. But yeah, first of all, I mean, there's so many types of design as Jamie alluded to. You can design a city, you can design a thing, you can design a program. (laughs) So, you know, 
obviously if you're like an industrial designer, you're designing like a physical thing, like thinking about circularity, repairability, recyclability, those like just integrating climate decision-making into those, into those design decisions. And that's for any type of design. If you work with clients, you can consider like integrating the cost of carbon into your services, adding like a carbon fee to your design services, and then reinvesting that carbon fee into some type of emissions reductions related effort at your company. A big one, which this is like a high engagement action, maybe even like pledging not to offer design services to a fossil fuel company or like the extractive industry in general. I'm sure most people on this podcast have probably heard of clean creatives, but they're doing great work there. So yeah, just generally thinking about designing social equity and justice. There's so much you can do. What else? If you, maybe if you, if you're researching your clients, do your clients have climate targets? Just having like certain criteria for what clients you work with, or if you're kind of on, if you are the client, like thinking about criteria for what agencies you might work with. So yeah, I could go on and on, but I don't want to say this much because this is what we'll talk about at the workshop. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. And yeah, and also those are such great examples, Ayana. And I, it made me also think of the, Ayana and I participated in a, or helped helped lead a class at UC Berkeley last year around climate, was it climate design fiction or what was it called? I forgot we did this. <laughs> like, it feels like a lifetime ago. It was last year. Ah. But it was like, it was like fiction, design fiction and yes. helping to, we have all these we have all of these solutions, as we said earlier, we know what we need to do, but designers can help pull it all together, tell a story or visual, help us visualize the world that's possible. What if all of the 100 drawdown solutions were fully scaled in the world? What would that look like? And so I just think, yeah, again, the really tangible things that Ayana mentioned are so relevant. And then zooming out and seeing like the big board, the big picture, and let's imagine what we could build that's much better than what we currently have from scratch as well. Love that. I love that you brought that up, the power of imagining the better world. It's something that we talk about a lot with designers. And I think that there has been a lot of dystopian imagination, imagining what the apocalypse will look like and after the apocalypse and climate destroyed futures. There's plenty of TV shows with climate destroyed futures and people in this dystopian world trying to figure it out. And I think that motivates some people. People are motivated by different things. The fear of the dystopian world probably has motivated the people who are now in climate working on it actively. Like they've gotten scared of what could possibly happen and they want to do something about it. But there are other people who see things like that and they get scared and that just puts them into a freeze response. And they don't take action. And I think that what we as a society have been really neglecting is showing, like you're saying, that brighter future, what we could possibly design together and having the motivation of, I want that better world. I want to go out and build that. Maybe the people who are in freeze response from the doom and glue might get really excited about this idea. We might see a lot more action if we were able to do that. I think that's where just like, climate storytelling is really important and I, I hear about tv writers like trying to like incorporate climate aspects into like their writing and like i think just yeah i think it's really awesome and important like one just like weaving it through like through culture more and media more but doing it in a positive way i think is really important just to yeah i'm 
again, just friends of mine who are like, oh, like, I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. And I think there are a lot of people who are not motivated by fear, but are instead motivated by seeing the solutions. And that's like what Project Rodan is all about. Like, we actually have all the solutions and let's talk about them and put them out there into the world. And hopefully someone will see one of these solutions and be like, oh, that's really interesting to me. Like, how can I work on that? Definitely. Yeah, I definitely got the sense when the Project Drawdown book, Drawdown, came out that it revitalized the climate movement by showing all of these solutions that we hadn't heard about and making us feel like, oh, there are all of these things that we can do. Oh, my goodness. Let's get going. Let's fight for these things. It's so exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that's, I think, similar to what you just described, Sarah, is our MO at Drawdown Labs is to say... Just there are all these solutions and let's get started. It's also, wow, there are all these different disciplines and expertise and skills that are needed. Let's get going. And whether we're, we work on building solar, pa- like manufacturing solar panels or deeply inside of a company, there is a role for me. So I think that's it's a great analogy for what we're trying to do with yeah, with a private sector. Perfect. Amazing. You've been hinting at these guides that you have. So I noticed you have a how-to guide for employees. So that's your, is that your job function action guides? And then you also have climate solutions at work. You have a couple of guides that we'll link to in the show notes for sure. One specific thing that I wonder if those guides covers, I hear a lot from designers who work for a larger company and they feel like they're just a cog in the wheel and they don't feel like they're in a position of power to influence anything. So I'm wondering if you can give a few highlights, mention if these guides have anything to offer for people who are in a position of like management or anything like that, but what can they do? Yeah, I can, I'll start. And then Ayana, yeah, again, was really the mastermind behind the job function action guides, but I think on a broad, the idea of Taking action at work, we really first provided a little bit of a blueprint for in our in a guide that we published last year called Climate Solutions at Work. And that was really trying to socialize or democratize climate action across a company and say there are all these different things that different employees can do throughout a company, but we need to really help employees build power because, as you said, they're Often, yeah, in pretty much any big company, there's a limited amount of, there's a finite number of people who hold a lot of power. And we wanted to try to give put power in more people's hands across a company. And so that's like, you know, things like finding your people, whether it's through green teams, like Ayana mentioned, or finding like even a subset of that, people who are really passionate and feel like willing to do a little bit more organizing, agitating inside of the company. You know, I mean, look, we're pretty privileged. I would imagine most of the people that are listening to this podcast are in pretty comfortable jobs. We have a certain, I think, responsibility to take a little bit more risk than people who may not have level of stability in their lives. And most of us could probably get another job if we ended up going too far in in our internal organizing. And I think I just saw actually something on Twitter that Bill McKibben said that was basically don't waste leverage when you have it. Like employees inside companies are really important. Employees leaving companies sends a strong message. Employees organizing employees, like asking questions at all staff meetings, the kind of talent that 
that that employee, you know, that companies can get. This stuff really matters. Your share in in public companies, your shareholders in the company. So I think there's more. There's actually I think there's more power than we give ourselves credit for a lot of times. But it takes strength in numbers, building numbers, and really being able to like send a strong message that climate action matters and that employees are watching. But yeah, Ayana, I would love to turn it over to you. Yeah, I think just echoing what you said, Jamie, about strength numbers, I think is really important. And and I really want people to realize that they do have a lot more power than they might think they do, even if you are just like like entry to mid-level employee. Like I wrote down some stats, so I want to forgive them, but companies would rather keep their employees than go the, the effort and the resources to hire another person. And nowadays, because climate and sustainability are just like top of mind for a lot of people, especially young people who are going to be the future of the workforce. I think I wrote it down. 93% of workers under 30 say that they're more motivated and loyal to their employers if they're socially and environmentally responsible. 93%. That's huge. Almost 100%. Yeah, of people surveyed under 30. So I feel like companies, people in leadership need to reckon with the fact that this is like a number one priority of people that they're hiring, people that they want to keep. And so I think people, if you know that as an employee and you join forces with your colleagues, I just think there's so much influence in that. And then another thing I would mention is that I think I think a big part of it also depends on what type of company culture you have and how big your company is. I've speaking to employees who work at different companies. I've heard stories of people who literally just like one person just asked their CEO being like, hey, what are we doing on climate? And no one had ever even raised the question. And then the CEO was like, oh, you're right. This is something we should care about. And then they like started a sustainability team. So sometimes it is really just someone asking the right question because maybe no one else has. That being said, that's like a very specific type of company culture. And so maybe if you work in a type of company where it feels a little bit like you don't have that much flexibility or like you're a little uncomfortable to say something, definitely I would encourage folks to like, I guess I I think about taking climate action in the workplace in two ways. One is a little bit like nicer is like bringing climate into your own role. And then the more agitator role is like being that vocal advocate in your company and organizing. And so I would encourage folks who maybe aren't ready to go to that organizing side quite yet, but hopefully they will be soon. Just like start thinking about, I'm a designer. This is what I do. Here's kind of like my day-to-day responsibilities. How can I like really observe what I do throughout the day and start bringing climate considerations in every single decision that I make and all the work that I do. And the last thing I say, I'll say is finding allies is really important, especially if you can find an ally who's in a position to, to make decisions, who is on your side and on board with climate action. So definitely encourage power mapping. Ooh, power mapping. I feel like that's a hint to something to come. Like I said at the beginning, we are going to talk more with Jamie and Ayana at our workshop. It's called Climate Solutions at Work, Unleashing Your Employee Power, and it's happening on October 20th at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, U.S. Pacific. And we do have listeners from all over the world, so if that is outside of your daytime hours, we will record it, um, and you'll have a copy of the recording to watch later. And in this event, Jamie and I will cover ways you can use your expertise to integrate climate into your role and push your company to achieve a higher standard for corporate climate action. I love that phrase. You'll 
walk away with a framework for understanding climate solutions and key leverage points that span every sector of the economy. You will walk away with an understanding of how to discern whether your company's climate goals are reaching a level of ambition that matches the scope of the climate crisis. You'll walk away with an expanded view of what it means to take climate action in your role as a designer and in the workplace more generally. And you will have some key considerations and next steps for making your design job a climate job. To attend, you can grab one of our general public tickets for $15. Or if you are a supporting member of Climate Designers, you can get into this event for free. That's around $12 a month, depending on the tier that you pick. It's pay what you can. And you get a one-month free trial. Find all of the info for that at climatedesigners.org slash GPS. Any last things that you want to say before we wrap up, Jamie or Iona? The floor is yours if you want it. This is such a great prompt. I feel like the, these are the things that we think about every day. I think make make change from where you are. I Yeah, that's, I think that's our motivation. And I think we really deeply believe that we really need all, and we need all job functions, but like design genuinely is critical. And so just encourage you to keep thinking about your inroad and how that overlays with climate. Yeah, would definitely just plus plus to that and encourage folks. I think it's great. I love hearing about people making the jump to climate, going to go work for a climate focused company. But I think that we really do need a lot of people to stay where they are and make change from within. Because as Jamie mentioned, we need to transform. We have a lot of existing longstanding institutions that aren't going to go away overnight. And we really just need the people who make up those institutions who really care to like really just, like Jamie said, find their inroad and figure out how to bring it to where they already are. Well said. I want to remind everybody that you can follow Drawdown Project Drawdown on social media by just finding the handle Drawdown. That's the word. And like I said before, you'll find the links to all the action guides that we mentioned throughout this conversation at the show notes at climatedesigners.org. And yeah, I just want to thank you, Jamie and Ayana, for spending this time and having this great conversation with me. And I'm looking forward to our event in a couple weeks. Yes. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for having us. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. Be sure to check out climatedesigners.org to sign up for email updates. And while you're there, you can check out other stuff. You can create a profile page highlighting your climate-related work, or you can seek out climate jobs and other resources to boost your climate design career. Or for design educators, find resources to bring climate action into your classroom. Yeah, join the conversation on social media with a hashtag, I am a climate designer, or hashtag climate designers, all one word. I can see the walls closing in No one can take much for granted